Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Graham Slam Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Anderson, and I know it is Tuesday, September 21st, 2021, and that I have moved the podcast to Fridays. But I wanted to go ahead and bring you a special episode of the Grand Slam podcast. And what it is, is basically, I used to host a podcast named Fahrenheit 186. Now, as far as I knew, I couldn't find these episodes, I had no idea where they were. But I found one, um, a jump drive that actually had all the episodes on it. And I only recorded, I think, four or five episodes. Um, and essentially, on the fourth episode I wanted to bring to you today is retaining to sports. Now, of course, with football season starting, um, at that point in time, this uh, episode was recorded on December 22nd of 2019. So it was right prior to the pandemic hitting the United States and everything. And my cousin at the time was um, in college in South Dakota uh, playing uh, football. And we had spoken about the pros and cons of getting your kids into sports and this episode I think it would be great to introduce to uh, my Grand Slam podcast fans it is a long episode it's about an hour and 40 minutes long but it is a great episode that I co-hosted um, with my cousin Tyler so enjoy it um, the start of it obviously is the opening of my previous uh, podcast but I just wanted to bring this to you, upload it, and give you an opportunity to listen to it. Because I think it's a really good start to where I was going with the podcast, the Fahrenheit 186 podcast. And essentially, what I want to do with it during the off-season, or the Grand Slam podcast during the off-season, of bringing special guests on, having different topics like the pros and cons of having um, your your athletes or your children becoming athletes. I mean, this is a great episode for um, any parents of the Rocky Mountain vibes. Uh, that a lot of those uh, kids are very young, and I think this pertains to them as well. And just the overall cost, the ups and downs of life with mental health, it also talks about. Um, so I, I want to bring you this special episode, um, which I am entitling episode 13 of the Grand Slam podcast, even though it is just a re-release of a previous podcast I recorded. Um, and then, of course, uh, episode 14 will still air on Friday. So enjoy this. Um, it is not really that edited, um, and it does have uh, some uh, explicit language in it. So just be aware that I have marked this episode as having explicit language. So if you're listening around your kids, there's some F-bombs dropped and whatnot. But it's a great episode, and I, I encourage you to listen to it and enjoy it. And have a great one, and I'll see you back here on Friday. Bye-bye.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Fahrenheit 186 Podcast. As I mentioned last week on episode 3, this week we are talking about uh, high school sports, college sports, uh, mainly football, and the athletic uh, scholarship uh, transition that it can have an effect on students. I'm joined today by my cousin, uh, who went to my high school and is in college currently, uh, Tyler Anderson. Hey. So let's uh, jump into this. Usually I'll do a news topic, but I there's it's Christmas time. We, we don't need that. So if you're listening, um, it is Christmas, so Merry Christmas, and have a very happy one if you uh, celebrate that or any holidays that you do. But let's jump right into the podcast. Uh, Tyler, introduce yourself, and we'll go from there. So, hey, I'm Tyler Anderson. Um, I currently go to the South Dakota School of Mines and Technology. I play NCAA D2 football up there, offensive line. Um, I've been doing offensive line my entire life, playing football and whatnot. So having that connection between academics and football is something that I actually am pretty experienced with and hold dear. Now, you started playing football out at a very young age. I I mean, I even remember... Uh, seeing videos or being over here with you throwing the football around uh, when you were like two or three with your dad. Um, but uh, you started out uh, playing in Park and Rec uh, probably around, what, third grade, second grade-ish? Somewhere around there. Um, once, we got, once you got into, and we'll kind of skip around here, so let's go to starting with high school. Um, what was the biggest effect that you had with trying to keep up with grades and whatnot when you first entered high school uh, up until your senior year? So the biggest thing was our coach was a complete hard ass in means of keeping eligibility and keeping your grades up, um, especially with the kids that he really, really wanted to see succeed. He would get on you for having even a C in the class. So he would constantly make sure you kept up and did good in school. And I mean, they always say academics come first. You're a scholar athlete, a student athlete. Always take care of the student side first. So making sure you keep a good GPA and stay eligible in order to play the game you love. Otherwise, you're just going to sit there and you might be good at football, but you're not going to go anywhere in life with uh, football. It do- you know, It doesn't last forever. Now, do you suggest, to, obviously there's a lot of parents out there that have kids or whatnot, do you suggest essentially um, getting your kids into sports, whether it be football, baseball, soccer? Um, there's a lot of parents that are sketchy about the fact of like injury and whatnot, and I think it you're one of the people that know about injury with uh, concussions. I think you had a leg injury. At dual, one point, yeah, dual knee surgery my freshman year, and then my shoulder surgery my senior year of high school. So, talk talk to me about just the aspects coming from a parent. Obviously, you're 20. You don't plan on having kids anytime soon. No, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> but with with being a parent, I have four kids. Would you ever recommend that it being a good idea to get kids into sports, and why? I absolutely think kids should get into sports. I mean, completely putting aside the fact that injuries are a thing, your kids will be kids. They're going to freaking hurt themselves anyway. So the thing that sports do, though, is they teach so much discipline 
outside of the actual game, um, one of the biggest things that I'll always thank my high school coach, Coach Mello, for um, was he always taught his players on how to be a man, like how to be a father, how to be an everyday family guy, get in and having a good job, being professional. That kind of discipline that comes through sports, whether it's football, wrestling, basketball, baseball, whatever, that it, it's going to help your kid not only grow up and mature, but also have like those good critical thinking skills, being able to get through adversity, and it also helps them grow up around diversity as well, um, especially in places that you don't have that as much. You'll have like seeing different players and like you'd consider them brothers at, at some point eventually because um, you guys will get so close and you'll have different cultural aspects that you otherwise wouldn't necessarily see. So, one of the, I mean, it just helps you grow up much easier. And that's, I mean, especially nowadays, I look at some, you see them on Facebook and all that kind of stuff, Twitter, you see the videos of kids being complete little assholes, just completely undisciplined and whatnot. Sports kind of really do help with that. They make sure that it, on top of the discipline you do at home, which nowadays is also an extremely controversial topic, um, sports really does, like, they really do help your children grow up, really. Exactly, and that's that's something as being a parent, like, I have witnessed with um, my nephew and uh, niece that they essentially, they, they're playing sports. Uh, my nephew, I think, just got into football, Um and that's that's the thing. Like you take these kids that are could be criminals. Let's be straight honest. In high school or middle school or whatnot, and the second you stick them into some of these sports programs, you have a completely different turnaround of that person. And it, it mainly goes. We've got to give shout outs to these coaches out there. And I, I Coach Mello was at Harrison High School was essentially, I think, around somewhat when I was there um, in 2006. I'm not 100% sure about that, not as a football coach. Um, but that's the thing. These coaches are, are deserve more respect than they ever get. You can be a parent. You can be yelling at your kid's coach because, oh, they're not playing my kid, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, they are shaping your child for the future as Tyler is just saying that if your child may not win in the sports they could be out on the streets doing drugs and yes we know that kids still do that stuff as athletes but I, I would assume much less the, likelihood yes yeah. exactly and I, I would assume as time goes on the percentage of that drops even more as they stick into that sport and stay there um, and that's, that's the thing too even like not being gender specific, at least within football in our town, I, I've heard a few cases where females play football too, um, but like soccer or softball, basketball, those things too, they, they teach your, your, your girls to grow up to be women that are respectable and everything. I couldn't tell you how many times in high school that I experienced some of these... Uh, these girls that were getting in the fights daily. And I, I talked about that last week on the podcast with how security would just let girls fight or whatnot. But when they were in the sports or got into the sports, that behavior disappears because they know if they're working to play and this goes for boys or girls or whatever, if you're getting in the fights or doing drugs, you're not passing your classes, you're not playing. You will get cut. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. then good luck. 
and that's kind of how it is and 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 you make a good point Tyler like that's the thing that parents need to realize with sports and their their kids is yes we're always going to get injuries but you can also get injuries walking in the class you can get injured by driving a car you name it the same aspect goes to some parents out there that don't let their kids go to public school because of school shootings. It's it's going to happen no matter what. You're going to get injured. You could die no matter what you do in and life. And especially you see it on the streets too because I, I – especially – I mean especially now. Um, I'm waking up 4.30 in the morning. I have early morning practice. I have eight plus hours of school a day. Then I have meetings and lift and all that kind of stuff in the afternoon and then continuing to study at night until midnight to just repeat the same process the next morning. Um, average NCAA athlete puts in over 80 hours a week into academics and sports. So it keeps your kid busy too. Um, oftentimes when you see kids who don't have anything better to do, they oftentimes get themselves in trouble. And you yep. see that a lot in like this kind of neighborhood and this kind of situation in today's generation kids getting into bad situations that could end up getting them killed when your kid is in a sport they're not off they're not out doing something else you know where they're at and there's adults who you can count on and it'll help you kind of feel more reassured that your kid's going to be safe not just out on the streets doing who knows what exactly and that's the thing too like growing up at least in this neighborhood now let me fill everyone in on this um i grew up uh, in the same house that Tyler grew up in, um, same neighborhood, same everything. Neighborhood got better, in my opinion, over time because Definitely. when I was a kid, um, we had numerous gangs that were rival gangs just living streets apart. Um, I don't know how I'm alive today with some of the drive-by shootings that happened, but they did. Um, it's part of life and Especially a lower-income neighborhood. neighborhood, per se, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but that And that's the thing, like... Even in today's generation, we may not see gangs as much or hear about them, but they're still there. And that's where, again, like you were saying, where if you have this diversion, you don't do that type of stuff. You're more focused on trying to become an athlete or to make sure that you have good grades. And and that kind of goes to what you were talking about with the your schedule so 4 a.m you're waking up you're going to practice was this kind of the same thing in high school as well or what time did practice start in high school so in high school it was usually you just wake up in the mornings for classes like actual school you wake up i woke up at 6 a.m every day for school and i would go into my seven normal classes and right after school would actually be practice and practice would be from as soon as school is out, 3.45, until 6 o'clock when the uh, like student-athletes all would get on the bus and go home kind of thing. Um, I would usually be out of the house until 6.30, 7 o'clock um, after the bus drops me off and I get home. So it does keep you busy. It's not like it is here in college. Um, in the spring, we would sometimes have morning practices in the spring. It would be only at like, we'd be there at 6 o'clock versus now. It's be there at 4.30, 5.30, whatever. Um, it's a completely different ball game in college, though. I mean, nothing's more pure than high school football, high school sports mm-hmm. in general. But... And high school, it was kind of it was similar but different at the same time. Yeah, and that and that's the thing too. Like a lot of people need to realize if you are questioning getting your kid into sports, is 
The other thing is, too, it is expensive. <laughs> yes. There is no doubt. I, I'm sure we can talk to my aunt and uncle, who is Tyler's parents, and they will reassure you it is expensive. And no matter. In some cases, there are some schools out there I have heard that pay for pretty much all the equipment, pay District for everything. Two. District 2 being one of them. I know this, and keep in mind, this is Colorado Springs, Colorado here in America uh, for anyone that's listening overseas. Um, but the aspect here in America is the fact that a lot of sports, youth sports, is where it gets expensive. Mm-hmm. And I, I know you have to buy your own helmet. Sometimes you have to buy your own pads, jerseys you have to buy. There's so much stuff that prior to going into high school, you don't get like you do in high school. So don't be discouraged if your kid wants to play those sports at a younger age because the more they know about it, the more discipline they have going into high school sports, the better off they're going to do. Because I I can't imagine some of these kids that go in – and maybe you knew some of them, Tyler, in essentially that came in right at high school and was like, you know what, I'm playing football today. Never played in my life. Did they make it? I know a few actually. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny because you'll you'll hear some kids who, like me, have played their entire life and will make it. Right? Um, high school ball is that last game is oftentimes the last game ninety percent of football players will ever play in their life. Very, very few will go on, especially into NCAA. Sure, there's D3 and NAIA and stuff, but NCAA, there's very, very, very few student-athletes who continue to the next level. So, from the like those high school kids who went in their freshman year, I know some who are even D1 now, who are mm-hmm. out playing. I mean, they never noticed they had a natural talent for this kind of stuff until they got in. Um, but when you want something enough, you'll get it. Exactly. And that's just kind of, I mean, that kind of heart and determination, you can go in your sophomore, junior, senior year. If you show out and you're that good, you'll go somewhere. And I mean, I got a couple guys on my team up in South Dakota who never played until their freshman year of high school and they're up there playing now. Um, but it's really like the time you play really, I mean, you obviously go in having a little bit more experience than some guys, you all, you know, more stuff. Some people learn faster than others though, and they can just catch up the same way. Um, that talent level though, I mean, if a college coach contacts you, they obviously know you're good, but they're going to want to know who you are off of the field. So that's, yeah, exactly. And that, that's a big thing too, is your, your child's behavior or yours, depending on who's listening to this, (laughs) it depends on how you act. If you're a jackass, you're probably not going to get far no matter what. And that kind of works for life. Like there's some positions, some jobs that you can be a complete asshole and get away with it <laughs> politician <laughs> but anyways um there, there's a lot out there you, you some jobs you have to be an asshole like no offense to law enforcement but you have to have a backbone and sometimes you have to be an asshole to survive um, military that's another mm-hmm. area like there's so many things that essentially shows that now let, let's talk about that for a little bit because we we have heard recently with military now you're not military but our entire family has been has been military your your dad your mom our grandparents mm-hmm. uh, grandparents were military um what aspect do you think because i know they recently just finally changed the law where college athletes who play for 
division academy the teams. academy or two they have to stay now they're not doing that again they're back to you can just go straight to the NFL do you feel and obviously this doesn't pertain to you but some listeners may be military do you think that a player should have to serve two years in the military before they can even be considered looked at by an NFL team or now we are moving into the XFL uh, football league as well here in America where I know there's been quite a bit of Air Force and Navy players that have been drafted to the XFL but um, prior to uh, President Trump changing it which it's been changed like three times throughout his tenure or whatever as president do you think they should have to serve before they can even get looked at by a sports team? No, that's the hardest thing to say because a lot of the guys who go in, especially in like Air Force Academy and whatnot, there was a recent thing that I saw before uh, Trump had changed that was he was an NFL prospect, but then was told that he was not allowed to until he actually served a four year. Oh, it's four years. Um, But he went in and was told that and that ruined his NFL career. So going in. I feel like if you have the chance to play in the NFL, you should be allowed to. But directly after, I feel like you should uh, serve your country. Or vice versa. If you feel like you might be able to continue your talent through football, but you want to serve your country, you can do that too. Either way, I think you should be able to keep in contact with not only the professional league, but the military branch of your choice and be able to do either or. Um, It should just be up to the person, however. Yeah, and I agree with that too. And the thing that kind of always worried me when I when that rule first changed that they it, maybe it was four years I, I may be thinking that wrong, but let let's be clear. So you go into college in like a naval academy or air force academy, army, whatever. Um, that is a four year college. Mm-hmm. Um, in most cases, your air force here in Colorado Springs, which is the air force academy, you're an airman. And then if you were to serve, because your four years in college does not count as your serving. Serving would be after you graduate. So you would put your average, let's say, college student graduating college at, what, 22, 23? 22 to 24. So okay, so 22 to 24. And then you're, you're then saying, hey, you need to go serve this country for four years after that. And that could be deployed um, it could be stateside, could be deployed in like Germany or places that aren't in active war scene that we still are in. Mm-hmm. And do you think that has a massive effect on keeping up with current trends? How, how do you stay? How would you even stay? You being a college athlete, staying in shape. Obviously, we know our men and women out there work their asses off across sea overseas or whatnot during war or whatnot. But how do you stay in that public eye for football if you're not playing for four years and then Yeah, that's because it can can you even be drafted at that point? I, I wouldn't assume would that's the thing. You could, you could possibly do either or. I mean you could okay. show up for a regional combine, which is a common thing. Um one of our previous running backs, um Dorian Cowart actually did a regional combine up at um the home of the Vikings, Minnesota Vikings. Um, so even if you took a few years off and then decided to go to a combine, you could get eyes on again. However, nothing against our troops or whatnot. They're 
top of the line elites in means of athletic ability. Um, keeping up with the same kind of deal with football on top of that, though, those are two different kinds of athletic species. So it would be extremely hard, I would think. I mean, I personally can't say because we've got three uh, veterans on my football team right now. Okay. Um, guys who were in the Air Force and in the Army who have served, gone and been deployed and have come back and continue to try and play college ball as well. So that's a thing that's uh, that's common. Okay. But keeping eyes for the NFL after service seems like it'd be very hard because your athletic ability could deteriorate. Um, no, no one exactly knows in means of disability or injuries that could happen overseas in deployment or in the military in general. If you get injured, that could completely change your outlook on sports because you may not be able to do it anymore. Um, that kind of stuff is extremely serious and... I mean, God bless our troops for that kind of stuff, but it, it would be extremely hard to continue to play, I think, after being deployed into something like that and then keeping your name out there for the NFL. I know very, very few NFL players who have done that. Steelers offensive lineman, he went in, he served our country, and now he's he's still playing. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not an easy task to do. And no, and, and we had even Pat Tillman for the Arizona Cardinals who died in the line of duty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I don't know a hundred percent on his story or whatnot, but I think he ended up getting drafted to the NFL team. And then at that point, essentially then joined the military. And I think it was during an off season or during one of the seasons he was deployed during, I think it was operation, it was, it was in 2004. 2004, okay. So he, he essentially went to war and he died in the line of duty um, for our country. And, I mean, they still honor him nonstop during salute of service. Yeah, he left, his sports, he left his sports career and enlisted in the U.S. Army in June of 2002, um, right after the 9-11 attacks. Oh, okay. So he went in and immediately enlisted. Then he rejoined into the NFL again, I believe. And then was deployed again um, after that. Um, he, his death was actually a cause of friendly fire. He oh. was shot in his back and he passed away then. But he um, played safety and defensive back for the uh, Sun Devils and the Arizona Cardinals. So ASU, he stayed in Arizona his whole career, which I think is super cool. That is pretty cool. That, that's rare. That is very that is rare. super rare. <laughs> um, it kind of sucks to see something like that. And that's all, I mean, that's what comes with it, though. You enlist in the military, you always know in the back of your head that something like that can happen. Oh, yeah, so of course. having dreams of being able to do both the NFL and be in the Army, that's an amazing thing. And, I mean, that kind of stuff happens. Now, his case... He left his career and enlisted in the army before okay. his death. Um, there are players who go in and um, isn't it? Uh, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers player, um, which not to get into the whole national anthem thing because we will not be discussing no, that on we'll this. Not. <laughs> uh, but he was one of the the main players that kind of um, rallied behind his team because he was. Um, a deployed soldier and came back. Yes, um, Alejandro Villanueva. There Martinez. we go. Yeah, he went in 
And um, he plays as an offensive tackle. He's number 78. Um, he was a captain in the U.S. Army. Um, served as an Army Ranger. And he's decorated with a Bronze Star for Valor. Um, and he's currently playing in the league. So he served first and then went into the league. So that's kind of how you were asking how people would keep their name out there and get in. I think he was a walk-on. I'm not 100% sure. But... I mean, like I said, that can go both ways. You can be in the league and then serve or serve and then be in the league. league. So that's two really good examples, Pat Tillman and Alejandro uh, Villanueva. Exactly. And that's that's the thing. Like, if if at all as a student, you're, con- like, debating if you should go which route. If you, if you feel that you want to serve our country, more power to you. Mm-hmm. But... Do know that if your dream is to play in the NFL, XFL, CFL, whatever football league you want to play in, know that, as Tyler was saying, is that one little thing in the military could jeopardize that entire career the rest of your life. I mean, to the point that it could potentially, it's your life on the line at that point. And that's kind of like, it goes back to, what we were talking about with injuries is you could be playing high school football and the next thing you know, you're, you're this great star athlete. You have all these college um, acceptances or scholarships. Offers yeah, offers going on. And next thing you know, you're playing in your last home game or last game of your high school career and you're done. You're paralyzed. You don't play another game in your life. Yeah. That happens. Happens so much. Like, there's stories about that all the time, um, even in college or throughout the pros. Um, going back to the Steelers, we had the Steelers player um, that essentially was paralyzed. Why am I not thinking of his name? Um, wasn't Harrison. Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, jeez. I was just talking about this player the other day. Paralyzed. Who's the linebacker? Yeah. Ryan Shazer. There we go. Ryan Shazer. He essentially was uh, paralyzed on the field. He's improving. I I don't know if he'll ever come back. Well, he actually, um, after his uh, paralysis, uh, just had his wedding um, in May, I believe. He actually danced with his bride. So he, after a shit ton of expensive physical therapy and repair... Um, that injury that left him temporarily paralyzed, he's able to. He was able to come back from it. And temporary paralysis is it's common in football. Um, permanent paralysis, not so much, just due to the um, amount of safety equipment and like like rules that are in the league now. You don't see permanent paralysis as often. It still happens, of course, but some guys are able to get through and after years of physical therapy, be able to get in and move on with their life but it's still extremely dangerous exactly and well let's 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 go into that topic because i know uh, off air before we started recording we kind of talked about this was concussions is the biggest thing in nfl biggest thing in football period (laughs) if you have if you're living under a rock in america and know about football you know there has always been an issue with concussions cte and everything that kind of goes with that and whatnot. And you were uh, mentioning that as time is going on, we are getting to a point where we are getting to safer helmets. 
Um, and the NFL has made a lot of different rules changes that are penalizing people for these helmet-to-helmet hits, fining them, um, and in my opinion, in some cases, I don't think it's enough, um, just with some of the disgusting hits we've seen over the, even this season alone. Um, but you were talking about a new helmet uh, company, uh, Vices? Yes. Uh, go into that a little bit. You were uh, talking about that, and I'll kind of jump in there as well, because I, I read a story that they are actually the leading uh, manufacturer for the new XFL League starting in February, where they will be putting in their time for essentially providing helmets, but there's already some question about that actual partnership or company that uh, they are having financial trouble, which I can't see why they wouldn't because these helmets are so expensive. But is the expense worth someone's life? I think so. Yeah, so what's what's super funny is actually Vices is both football and military safety equipment. Oh, okay. So look at that. Um, we so something. it's designed for football players at the high school level and above. It's not available for youth play. Um, it's super, super. Um, I, I I mean the best way I can say is it's extremely safe. Like um, designed to reduce extreme impact forces and whatnot. Um, they have a layer of memory foam that provides comfort, but it still stays extremely rigid. Um, the exterior of the helmet actually, it bends quite, quite well. Um, their number one helmet that's been sold right now is called the Zero One. Um, if you guys go in and look that up, the construction of this helmet is actually completely different from any other helmet that's been made um different layers in the helmet i guess i could say is very similar to modern day um cars how the chassis of the car is actually still extremely rigid but the quarter panels and the front and back end they collapse and absorb a lot of the impact before actually getting to, I mean, what I'd consider the precious cargo being you or your family members, um, absorbs the majority of the impact, therefore stunting any damage that can happen to you. Um, it's the same thing for this helmet. It absorbs a lot of the impact before it actually gets to your head. So that's why they're saying it's like the new Space Age helmet. Um, Russell Wilson has one, I believe. Um, but... For me, I mean, they're way too expensive. But yeah, exactly. That's probably why you were saying how when they were going bankrupt. Um, looking at just this thing that I just found, um, the new NFL helmets that uh, reaching out to do all this kind of stuff. Um, the, uh, the new Vices helmet, which sells for $1,500, is much more different than other helmets because it consists of several single layer foam cushioning and then the hard plastic shell. But um, it's extremely expensive and that's what's so hard for them to get in with that. Well, you know what? You know what's crazy to think of? Like, okay, I can understand NCAA um, football, but NFL, 
or like for instance the XFL coming up like $1,500 when you really think of an NFL team is it's nothing that's yeah. pocket so it's like are you and, and and my guess is with these helmets they cost 1500 I I'm imagining in some cases the helmets probably cost like a thousand to make because if they're running low on money and all these players and organizations are buying into them, they, there's got to be something there that essentially is causing them to lose money. And it, it's it's kind of a little off topic, but it's like whenever Xbox and PlayStation or Microsoft and Sony technically release a new system, the system itself costs more than what they're selling it for to make. It's profit margin. But they exactly, but then they make money selling video games and controllers and accessories than they do on the thing. Now, in this case, if they just sell helmets and nothing else, that's probably where they're losing out, is my assumption. Yeah, and uh, for a lot of the facts for the Vice's helmets, uh, they performed better than all other helmets in 2019 in the NFL and the NFLPA helmet performance testing. Um, it received the best overall combined score across all impact locations and velocities. Um, so they did say, in fact, that the after all of this extensive testing, the Zero One, which is their standard helmet, um, is considered that it is the safest on paper. Now, regardless of whatever technology you have on your head, Head injuries will happen. Just That's just part of the sport. It's a collision sport. Um, the weight of the helmet is actually relatively similar. The average size is a size B01. Um, it's about the same size to a lot of the new helmets on the current market leader, Rydell. Their newest Speed Flex is the big craze for Rydell right now. That's actually the one I currently have. It's about a $500 helmet. It's got a bunch of concussion sensors in it, which are honestly some of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. Next best step after that would be the actual little microphones in them. But and, that's, and you touched bases off the air on that as well, was that um, with these new helmets that you guys have, you actually have your coach or medical professional, whatever it is on the sideline, has a little mirror that you were showing me online that essentially when they get hit, these players get hit, um, on this meter, it comes up with a serial number and the player who is wearing that helmet and essentially will dis- like tell them the, is it the impact, like the speed of impact or it's the kind weight? Of, it's a mix between um, the speed, the weight of the player hitting you or you hitting them rather, whichever way, <laughs> but it's the speed, the velo- I mean, the velocity that goes in it, the weight of the impact, all of that kind of stuff plays into the force that's um, pushed out. So for, let's say like open field tackling, for example, running back versus defensive back, um, the mass combined with his speed on average uh, with a 4.5 40 yard dash, I would say, the average could possibly produce up to 1,600 pounds of tackling force. And that, I would say, would probably be the average of an open field tackle. The hard, crazy hits you see, um, I would probably say, is upwards of 2,000 pounds of force. Um, 
head injury experts say that the most concussions deliver 95 G's to the human body upon impact. So that's a ridiculous amount of force. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes that's similar to like whiplash in some cases. Um, hardest hits you often see uh, come from receivers. They're always the easiest to get hit. Uh, so that's why it's so important for receivers and open field players that make sure they have safety equipment like they do. Um but that's what my helmet measures. It can measure that amount of force that um, can be caused by helmet-to-helmet contact or helmet-to-body contact. Um, for me, I play left guard at SD Mines. And when I pull, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily in the open field contact, but I'm 300 pounds m- moving at full speed as fast as I can go making contact with these other defensive linemen and these linebackers, that force is still a lot of force. And without this kind of technology, without this kind of stuff, those things that could cause concussions that otherwise would be overlooked are now being seen by trained uh, medical professionals and are able to come in and make sure these players are okay. That's why um, the amount of like CTE cases and concussion injuries are going down because of all this um, like all the rules and all the technology going into the helmets and whatnot. Yeah, and that and that's a big thing too. When when parents are thinking about their kids going into sports and all these like issues with injuries and stuff like that. Now, like I said, you you experienced some injuries in high school. Um, you've had a few here in college that were like very minor. Yeah, I assume. Um. But it's one of those things that as as time is going on and it's becoming more aware to football teams, NFL, like in general, it's becoming a public topic. They are creating new measures to help with this because they know it like I can't imagine back in the day <laughs> when players were playing with leather helmets, like how none of this stuff occurred or if it did like it was completely overlooked it was yeah like and who knows if these players died at younger ages because we just really don't know the technology but um the article with the the vices helmets um that i was reading is the company is expected to lose 26 million dollars this year according to internal vices documents with its cast cash dwindling it has struggled to fulfill some orders. The delivery of a few hundred helmets ordered by the upstart XFL have been delayed. The new league is hoping the helmets will arrive by the start of training camps early next year. According to XFL official with direct knowledge of the transaction, who spoke on the condition of the um, to preserve the league's relationship with one of the few helmet manufacturers. Now, of course, probably like the NFL, they use all different helmet manufacturers, but some players may want these helmets, so that's what they're essentially going after. Um, And you touched base with it earlier, was that uh, Russell Wilson is a backer of this. Uh, Patrick Mahomes wears one. Mm -hmm. Are these the helmets... Maybe you know, um, are these the helmets that everyone was complaining about recently where 
Tom Brady was like, I don't like these new helmets. Was that the Vices or was that a different uh, style? I can't of remember. It was, it was probably re- between Rydell or Vices. Um, I know Zenith never made it past college ball. Okay. Um, so Zenith wouldn't have done that, but it was probably one or the other. Um, but like, like you were saying with the, um, concussion stuff, whatnot, uh, CTE being one of the most things that, especially back in the day, like you said, leather helmets and all that kind of stuff, zero protection. It was completely overlooked in the early to mid 1900s. It started becoming a real issue once they started noticing a lot of things, um, so I just found something on New York Times talking about, um, like recently I found it, it was, ex- uh, they examined the brains of 111 NFL players and all of them except for one had CTE. So concussions are an extremely big thing. I, shit, probably in high school I could probably tell you I suffered at least three a season. Just never really said much about it. Um, uh-huh. But... As serious of an injury they are, so many different things have been put in. It means a protocol to make sure they don't happen anymore. So if you want to get your kids into ball and whatnot, and you want them to play football or hockey or any other collision sport like that, there's always the possibility that a head injury can happen. But nowadays, it's so rare for the amount of uh, protection and rules that are in the game you don't see these kind of injuries anymore as often, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the things that are you're seeing are muscle injuries or tendon injuries nowadays because you don't see any head injuries because the amount of protection that just goes on your head. On the head, yeah, so. exactly. And that's that's the other thing, too, is the fact with, like, the concussions you had. And that's been... Because we know, we know with the NFL now, they have... The physicians that are not part of the team, they're just there mm-hmm. um, because they were having issues where there was bias where, oh, my favorite player that's probably on my fantasy just got hit. Let's just clear him so he goes back out there and plays some more and wins the game for us. Or teams were doing that as well. Um, in high school, um, what was the, the standard protocol for that type of stuff. Like you said, obviously we all know, we know that players will not say anything because they're so determined to play. I get it. <laughs> you did that. I know you did that. Yes, I did. But in that, that factor, is there anything in high school kind of like the NFL? I know they don't have personal doctors to game. Hell, half of the medical staff at the game is firefighters that don't even know half the stuff that's going on experience i've seen it i've seen it too. and i'll tell you that experience cuz you may not remember this story but i think it was one of harrison's players your sophomore year got hurt they had to stretcher him off and they almost dropped him off the damn stretcher. Yes, I didn't. I because did. it was too if I'm not no no offense to volunteer firefighters or firefighters in general or EMTs. But the crew they had there was not fit to handle some of the size of kids that were playing football. Now <laughs> keep in mind, Tyler here is 
300 pounds, six foot... Five. Six, five. Half the time, he he was that size in high school, so it's no different. <laughs> but you have, like, a woman, EMT, who probably weighed no more than 100 pounds, and probably her, like, other volunteer firefighter EMT that weighed probably 110, and they're trying to lift up on a stretcher, mind you, that is not the mechanical ones that they use for AMR and most of the ambulance crews, trying to lift him up, and, like by themselves and literally almost dropped him strapped into the hardboard to put him Mm. on the stretcher. And it's one of those things that in high school you have fire departments there, but I, and this is something I can always ask, um, family that is in, uh, fire department or whatnot with EMTs. If they're trained for that type of scenario, if they're going to the games or if AMR, is unless it's the most basic version of it until they get the player to the hospital. And I, I think just in your four years at Harrison, there was quite a few players that went to the hospital. You did. I did. My fr- my You're, first game of my freshman year of high school, I did. Yep. You I was were, playing defensive line, and I um, got my helmet pulled over my face. Like, the crown of my helmet was pulled over my face, and two vertebrae in my neck popped out of place. Um, they, like, as soon as I got to the hospital, they were able to fix it. They knew immediately it was wrong and no permanent things happened. Matter of fact, that next week I was already practicing full pads again, but like the protocol in high school, I would say was almost little to none. You get the very... I mean, in, at least in Colorado, it's much different in many of the different states in the United States. Texas being um, one Texas probably being huge with this because Texas is massive for if if no one knows. Football's a religion. People, yeah, if, <laughs> if most people don't know what we're talking about, in the state of Texas here in America, football, you eat, sleep, dream, whatever it is, football. Now, of course, we do that here in Colorado. It's got bigger as time has gone on, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can they consider some of the high school sports down in Texas like the NFL. Definitely. Um, some of them even play in the Houston Texans and the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. It's absolutely ridiculous how big some of these teams mm-hmm. are. But that goes back to the fact, like you were saying, they, it was minimum to none, which that's not reassuring to a parent. But no. yeah, but. You got to also th- take into consideration where your kid is playing school. If it's your neighborhood high school that their funding can't even pay teachers, they're not going to have enough to fund football to the extent that they can pay an, a doctor or some medical staff to be there. 90% of high schools probably don't have that, especially in Colorado. Texas, they may have one on every single team. Who knows? And the thing about it is, like, in Colorado, at least when I got my first, my very first major concussion was in seventh grade when I played in Fox Meadows Middle School right down the street. Um, my That one was bad enough to where, like, I was in and out of consciousness. Like, that was a bad concussion. And they told me that when I got to the hospital, I was only allowed to have one more concussion. 
Now, whether or not it was a major concussion like that, I didn't know. But I heard one more concussion and I was never able to play football again until I was out of high school. And I was not going to take that chance. So that's why I BSed my way through it. And every time I got a concussion, I just hit it. Um, now, that's, now that varies according to different states. In Colorado, at least in uh, Colorado uh, Springs High School Athletics Association, the CHASA, they go in and they will have a basic concussion protocol, follow the fingers, what day is it, who's the president, like basic stuff to make sure you're not brain dead essentially yep. but they'll go in and if it's bad enough then you'll be shipped to the hospital and they'll have that done but um oftentimes players will seem like they're totally fine and it's a minor concussion uh but that adds up over time and um a lot of the times with like big schools like texas who probably have the same funding and technology that i do on the collegiate level they probably have so many more different concussion protocols and they're able to watch that kind of stuff. That's why they don't have the limit of amount of concussions you can get like you do in Colorado. Um, when they told me I was only allowed to have two in my life before 18, that freaked me out and I never told anyone ever again. See, and, that, and that's the thing too. Like when you think of it that way, like it, it's terrible that they, and I get it, don't get me wrong, concussions are bad. We all know that. But it, it's sad to the point that you tell these kids this stuff and then they want to hide it because they, they are so passionate. They want to play the game. They want to do all that. That it just uh, it, it could end their life tragically. Lucky enough for you, like nothing too serious happened. Yeah, I'm not um, that stupid yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, and that's the thing, like... I think for you, you played every single snap that you were able to play during the game. I think you missed two, if I'm not mistaken. One, because your helmet fell off during a playoff game. That was your first playoff game. In sophomore year? I think or so. Or my senior year? No, sophomore. Okay. You. It was when we... It was the day game on a Saturday. Oh, Delta. Uh, yeah, we Delta, Delta. That trashy game. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go into that. Um... Well, we could actually touch basis on that because that's a good topic too. Um, but essentially, like you were so prone to play and be out there and support your team, and you were a leader, at least from my point of view of being in the stands, you were a leader of your team. Um, being the center, that kind of is what you do for your offense yes. um, next to your quarterback. Um, but that's the thing, like. You have these kids that are playing their hearts out and, oh, you get another concussion, you're not playing again. There should be some other rules of that to kind of offset that where maybe kids are a little more. Because you got lucky in your case, but in some other cases, they may not get lucky. You never know. Um, but let's let's uh, take a break here. Um, we're just about to hit that hour mark. Um I am already contradicting what I said about lowering my podcast time down, but that's okay. We are discussing a big topic here. So let's take a break um, and go to a commercial, and um, I'll be right back. All right, welcome back, everyone. Uh, that was our sponsor uh, for this episode, 
And let's uh, dive back in this uh, for the part two of this uh, essential conversation on sports um, dealing with high school and college. We go more into an uh, academic side of it and what this puts on, the pressure it puts on you as a student, um, both at the high school and college level, um, and then also just the overall mental health that goes into us because this is one thing we are looking at in our country today that it seems that is overlooked is your mental health and your awareness of stuff that some people may not know about you you look at some kids playing high school and they're like just playing high school going along but at home or behind the scenes they're not the same person um so let's dive into that uh Let's let's start out with high school. You entered your freshman year, was it 2014? So let's jump back to 2014. This was your first year playing at a high school level and having something where your grades were connecting to playing. What effect at first did you have with that? Um, as we kind of talked during commercials there, that um, high school essentially was cake compared to now college, but you thought back then it was so hard. So when you entered high school, obviously from when I was a freshman in high school in 2001, the academic level is like 500 times the difference. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you experience a block schedule like I did where you had four classes a day or did you had multiple? No, blocks? I had six classes a day every single day from 7 a.m. to 3.15. Um, my senior year, they changed it to seven classes in Ugh. that time period. But that was every single day of the year for four years. Um, so you could think of that. Every high school student ever will say their teachers think they're the only teacher they have and they give an obscene amount of homework and that's what i thought back in high school um because i as a student athlete i would go in um i wouldn't get home until seven o'clock then i would have to eat and shower and then do homework i'd do homework until 11 30 12 o'clock at night then wake up and repeat for the entire season and then off season was cake like i'd fly through off season but i was a triathlete all throughout high school i did three sports i did uh, football wrestling and track so I did all three of them. Um, it was it was tough. Um, I could say, I mean, it was stressful for someone who's growing up from ages 14 to 18. You already got a lot of stuff going on as is. I, will, I already know many people had it harder than I did because some people, I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, grow up and not have to help with uh, bills and whatnot with the family. Um, so I didn't have to get a job on top of football in school. Um, that was That was rough for a lot of people that I knew. Um, but then, uh, getting home and having such a short amount of time to study was kind of rough, I thought. And at least at my high school, we never really sat down, uh, to watch film that much only on Saturday mornings after the games. Um, we didn't oftentimes do much weightlifting after school. Oftentimes all the athletes on the football team were required by the coach it's not necessarily required by the school, but the coach wanted all the players to have a weights class um, to maintain strength throughout the season. Um, but I saw it as relatively stressful in high school. I, I was a BC student, I would say. Not necessarily a 4.0 kind of student <laughs> athlete. Still, I'm not that way. But 
it was, I, I saw it as stressful. A lot of kids getting in, having all this stuff to do throughout the day, and then just go in and grind, put your nose to the grindstone academically. So in high school, that kind of seemed like that. It's stressful. Well, see, and I kind of experienced that too. Now, kind of the flashback to 2003, 2004, um, once I got back in high school from being expelled, we'll go into that later. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Harrison High School. Um, but anyway, so the biggest thing I learned was I, like, I, I was unfortunate because when I was in high school, our grandma passed away. Um, you were, God, two years old, maybe. yeah. Um, thankfully you were not here that day. Um, but the thing with that was I had to grow up quick, um, with being in a a transition from going to having a full-time income in the house that paid for bills and then being pretty much raised by your mom and dad. Um, I had to have a job. That was pretty much the expectation. So when I was trying to get into baseball, um, to play the first job I had, which was working in a grocery store, pushing cards, bagging groceries, customer service. They didn't care that you were in sports. They looked at you like you're another worker. You're going to be here when we tell you to be here, as long as it's not during your class. And I literally had, I went in, I started playing baseball. And for some godforsaken reason, Coach Hogan, who is now... <laughs> Uh, moving up into the ranks, um, picked me as the starting pitcher for Harrison High School. I don't know how in the world I ever accomplished that because I thought I was the most god-awful pitcher there ever was, and I wanted to play first base or third base after like my heroes growing up with baseball, but I had to drop out and not play because I had to have a job and... That is something like you were touching base on. Some people are not that fortunate. Nowadays, maybe jobs are a little bit more... They're a lot more lenient. A lot more lenient. Back then, it was... Get paid or get fired. Get paid or get fired, exactly. And that was... I, I had my first job. I was making money, and that had to be done. It's not like I had to pay bills, but I had to pay for stuff that I wanted. I, I didn't have someone that was going to baby me and raise me like... Like our grandma did, unfortunately. Um, that's the bad part about that. But but I remember that. I remember the first couple weeks I would I, – I had my schedule changed at work. I went – I got up at 6 a.m., got on the bus, went to school from 7 to – I think we were at 2.45 back then. And then went to baseball practice until 6.30, got on the activity bus – because unfortunately, I wasn't that kid that had a car. I'm still that way. And you're still that way. So you you <laughs> you feel my pain on this, where you had kids that had cars, and they could go to their job and be there within 20 minutes or 10 minutes, where the activity bus had to decide to go around all around town, which I don't understand how Harrison High School's bus had students on it that were in Cheyenne Mountain District, and oh, they got away with that. Yeah. Because we would go from Harrison High School all the way towards the mountains just to come back into like the crappy neighborhoods that were around there. Then to another one. And my bus stop by my job, which mind you was across the street from where I worked, had to be the last stop. I would literally get off the bus at 7 o'clock and had to go work until 
10, 11. And back then, unlike today, Jobs did not give a crap that you had class in the morning. There was no laws out there that stated if you were in high school, you got to essentially be off by a certain time. I worked one night until like one in the morning and I remember your parents were so pissed off at me for working till one in the morning and I had class at I think like I had to be up at like 536 to get ready to go to class. They were so pissed. <laughs> Never will forget that. But that's that's a struggle that we as as high school students were at the time is you sometimes you have to and in a lot of these neighborhoods that we grew up in there it's less fortunate we're we're so lucky that i think a lot of your teammates had parents that worked full-time jobs and were able to afford bills while Mm -hmm. the kids played where some are not that lucky and that i think that puts on another just another level of stress from the kid because if you're the kid that you're living in a single household and your mom is struggling to pay bills and you're expected to be the man of the house or female, however it works. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where that stress level comes in because not only do you have classes, you're taking seven days, seven classes a day. You have athletics you have to keep up with. You have a f- part-time job, most likely. It could be full-time for all we know. And you're still expected to show up to class with a smile on your face and that just does not happen. And I think as adults, we tend to look down on our children for being upset, for having a bad mood, but we don't really know what they're going through. And I mean, even in your case, I mean, I've seen it just at home here that there's been times your parents have been pissed at you and you just came home. Yep. I mean, that's the, I mean, there's nothing you can really do about that. Like you said, no. I didn't even get my license till I turned 18. Yeah. Um, that's a common thing for a lot of student athletes. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, transitioning from high school to college, though, the I, a lot of people lose their passion for the sport once they get into college because it's no longer for fun like it was in high school. Um, it's a serious business. A lot mm-hmm. of people will get there and... Every single day that we had practice, I'm up 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, um, practice at 6 o'clock, we will meet and have all that stuff before 6, and then it goes from 6 to 7.45. Straight after 7.45, if you have an 8 a.m. class like I did every single day, um, you go straight from practice, quickly shower, then go to class. You have, depending on your class load, you have... I'd say probably an average of four to six hours of classes a day and then double that in means of study time. And then you have to fit in all of the meetings, all of the film study, all of the extra, like extracurricular stuff you do for varsity football in college, and then still be expected to sleep enough to function and making sure you squeeze in meals to stay alive kind of thing. Like, it's extremely tough in college. That's not a thing that I would have ever thought was going to be a thing in high school. I thought high school was going to keep the same amount of stress level. Like like Brandon said before, I thought it was cake. Looking back at high school now, I, I'd trade that in for the for the world to have that kind mm-hmm. of low stress level ever again. So if you're high school kids 
Or if you are a high school kid complaining about how stressful it is, just freaking wait. Yeah, just wait. <laughs> just I, wait. I'm still trying to finish my associate's degree in a public college that is a community college at that. And juggling four children, a full-time job, and life? Good night. Yeah, it's... Like, I can't imagine what you go through on a daily basis or what others... And that's the thing, too. When you're watching college football on Saturdays or whatever day, bowl games, you don't think of these things. You expect your athletes to play well and to win your teams because by the time they get into that level of college, we're fans. I mean, there's diehard football fans for high school out there, but you're on a national media level at that point, and you're being commentated on by ESPN, Fox Sports, ABC, you name it, if there's sports out there, and you're judged. They don't care what your athletic or your academic side is. They don't care how you're feeling. They don't care if you're depressed. They don't care any of that stuff. What they're caring about is their football team and if they're making money off that team in particular. And we just saw the change in that, that NCAA will start allowing players to somewhat be compensated. I think that's still kind they're of being to, in the works. They're able to um, make money off of their name again. Okay. So you see a lot of, like back in the day, um, a lot of college players, you'd see them for like Subway commercials or Nike commercials. That's stopped because that sponsorship with NCAA kind of deals. Players couldn't use their name to make money. Um, they just actually changed that after last season in 2018. Um, NCAA went in, or maybe it was spring of 2019. NCAA changed that rule. Now players can make money off of their name. Um so that sponsorship and all that kind of stuff has changed since then. Which is, which is great because that goes back to um, football games for video games, essentially. We may now start getting an NCAA football game. Let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> that essentially went away in the past because of the fact that the colleges wanted money. Now, I mean, just in the recent copy of Madden Football, um, we got college teams in it. Um, there were five of them, I the think. The QB1, right? QB1, yeah. yep. We got uh, some college teams in it. I, I know the Longhorns were one. The Ducks were another. Clemson, I believe, was one. Um, I'm don't... trying to find it right now for you. But essentially, while he's looking that up, essentially, like... When we had college games, you never had player names. They were all made up, generated based on when you started your season on the video game. And that was it. Um, And college players could not make money off their name. Um, When you went and bought a college jersey, replica jersey at the game or at the school, you could not have the player's name on it. They had to graduate and become an NFL player. In order for you to get that. In order for you to get that. Ezekiel Elliott is a prime example of that with Ohio State. Is just up until he got drafted with Dallas uh, Cowboys. You couldn't buy his jersey with his name on it. Maybe a fake one. Um, but now you can essentially do it. So what I just found was um, there was 10 college teams to play for. Okay. Um, that included these few. It was Clemson, Miami, Florida, 
Oregon, Oklahoma, LSU, Texas, USC, Florida State, and Texas Tech. Okay. Those were the 10 that you uh, were able to play So, for. So, yeah, you, it's a step in the right direction, that's for sure, because that just means we are getting closer to potentially a college football games being back on the store shelves in, in video game stores or Walmart and Target. And maybe this time around we'll get actual names and those players on those teams will be compensated for their likeness, which would be great. Even if it comes to, like, not put in your bank account, but put towards a scholarship fund, yes. increasing scholarships. Um, because that's another big thing. A lot of players in college don't get those fat scholarships you think they do. Um, at least in the state of South Dakota, for me, um, state of South Dakota does not do school-funded scholarships for athletes um, of that kind of sort. So... Any of that kind of stuff comes from alumni and whatnot. Uh, for me, I was fortunate enough to get a really good scholarship to go to a very highly recognized school, number one engineering school in the nation. Um, but with that, those academic um, like expectations go up substantially because of just the career field that I'm trying to choose. Um, a lot of the students that play sports are expected to have much higher uh, GPAs and maintain academic eligibility and the classes are much harder and the workloads are much higher and all this different kind of stuff. Internships uh, for getting out in the career field to see what you want to do in life. Um, those become more important to you and depending on the school you go to can also change your coach's point of view on that. Um, my former head coach, Zach Tinker, uh, was the one who gave me the opportunity to play college football. He, um, he focused heavily on academics, especially at a STEM school like I'm at. He focuses really big on academic part of uh, the actual student-athlete portion of being an athlete in college. Um, he recently had been let go for us. We had been searching for new coaches and it became a controversial topic for a lot of the players because a lot of us, we care a lot about our academics um, because whether if we go to the NFL or not, we're getting paid big bucks either way. Like we're making a lot of good money once we get out of this college. So it's important for the students, uh, student athletes on the football team to communicate with coaches and means of academics out of the three coaches that we had uh, had player interviews for, that same question came up as was, um, what was your expectations in, mean of, in means of academics, in means of GPA and eligibility? What do you expect your players to hold? Because as you know, Brandon, NCAA rules, you need a 2.0 to maintain yep. that. However, at my school, my coach required a 2.3. Okay. So in order to keep your scholarship, he uh, he wanted you to maintain a 2.3. And, um, I mean, it's definitely doable. If you get in, you do your work, even if you're stupid like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I assume, too, like, with that being said, is, like, that's – your your college is not necessarily – no disrespect to them, but not as big as, like, the Ohio State, uh, Alabama. Not. Because, I mean, it's D2. It's NCAA D2. It's not D1 – Big Ten, um, any like the Big Twelve, the, SE, the SEC, and all that kind of stuff. It's not any of that kind of stuff. It's still NCAA, so we follow all the same rules as those guys. A lot of the athletes we have easily probably could have gone D one if they got their names out more. Um, I've even talked to a few D one coaches. Andrew Cooper from Wyoming. Not sure if he's still there or not anymore. Actually, 
Um, Iowa Hawkeyes, I've talked to them. Um, having your name get out there for D1 is also a pretty difficult thing. But with that academic eligibility, I feel the higher you go on the rank also drops um, in means of expectation. I mean, I don't want to dog on Alabama or Clemson or nothing. Those guys are freaking phenomenal at football. Those guys is those guys are different species of human being when it comes yes. to football. And the facilities that they have, the multi-billion dollar facilities that go into the program are extremely impressive. And it's because they're good. And my programs, we've got million dollar facilities and we are really good with that different kind of stuff. But their expectations academically, it's always kind of a joke in means of... Um, at least for engineering athletes like me, we always say the ones who are doing so well in school and their coaches require them to have a 3.0 or somewhat, they're doing underwater basket weaving is what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. So. And you have these, exactly, you have these, like, courses that are so far-fetched in some of these colleges. Now, I've known family in Ohio that has gone to the Ohio State University, and they are either a bachelor's degree in finance or whatever it may be. But yes, in some of these cases, those players at those college levels, Alabama, Ohio State, or the Ohio State, let me be clear on that. Um, what is the other thing? Uh, trying to think of other colleges. Florida State, Clemson, places like that, I guarantee, like Tyler is saying, is... To make sure these these athletes that are going to go pro, they're Heisman Trophy winners, they, they're guaranteed to go pro, first round draft pick, you name it, whatever, they are taking such BS classes to get through it. No disrespect to those players, because maybe some are not. Oh, but absolutely. Some I, I mean, really some well. actually end up going into the NFL draft before graduating and then graduating while they're in the NFL and having like master's degrees or doctorates in different areas that if they get hurt, they're going to be just fine as long as they're not completely like disabled or whatnot. Because in some cases, depending on what their degree was in, um, it, it's just the factor that you've got all of this talent and maybe in your D2 school, mm-hmm. you have a lower or you have maybe a higher expectation of grades of what you're doing because you're going to a civil engineering school. looking well, engineering to be, in general. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. well, then someone at Ohio State, yeah, they could be a doctor, they could be a nurse. Um, pre-health is a very Pre-health. Uh, what is the other one? They're pretty big on, like, science at Ohio State. Yeah. Um, so you've got those, but... The expectation may not be there compared to your D2. So if you're essentially looking, if you're a high school student and you're playing football right now and you're looking to go to that next level, that is something to ask when you go in of what their expectations are. Because as far as I know, the NCAA does not set an expectation of grades, do they? Um, that The only thing they set, in order to be eligible to play in the NCAA, you need that 2.0 or okay. higher. Okay. To be recruited into the NCAA. So in high school, you need to have a cumulative of 2.0 or higher. In order to stay in the NCAA, you need a 2.0 or higher. So that's, okay. a, that's a thing that you need to be in the NCAA. 
Now, very, very little amount of time will you see an NCAA college athlete drop below that line unless they just do not give a damn about their academic life. And then by then, a lot of the times, if a coach is not being a kiss-ass, he'll kick that student in gear and get them back into what they're supposed to be doing. But Otherwise, they're cut, right? Yeah, um, okay. oftentimes they're cut or their scholarship's taken away and then they can't afford school and they leave anyway. So that's a very common thing that happens. Um most the top 10 most popular majors among athletes you see them a lot of them just go in undeclared especially if they're trying to do football or like any other big time d1 d2 ncaa um like athletics program they go in undeclared just get their general education out of the way and then decide if they want to if they're going to continue sports what their path in life might be it's undeclared business administration is a very common SD Mines recently actually just got a business administration major put in. Um, psychology is one. Nutrition and health sciences. You see a lot of the like sports science and sports training um, majors, which is very common among athletes doing that. Um, Pre-health and sociology. Um, Didn't the school of mines just uh, bring uh, esports into esports? Actually, yes. It's not. It's not necessarily part of the curriculum, but it is like an extracurricular activity. Okay, and it actually does give scholarships. Students who prove themselves good enough at video games can get a scholarship to play on the South Dakota Mines team, and they compete against D one teams, compete against D two teams, depending on the game. It is there's games like Rocket League and. Rainbow Six Siege and League of Legends is probably the most common one. That just blows my mind to think that you could literally get a scholarship for playing Call of Duty when all we did as kids get bitched at my parents yes. for playing those Video games. Video games won't get you anywhere. Yeah, sure and, now, about that? and now they are, which is just crazy because, I mean, you had Overwatch that has become Blow an actual up. sport. Essentially, um, I mean, Robert Kraft, the New England Patriots owner, owns a team for this video game league. It, it's outrageous. Um, but I guess in the closing moments here of the podcast, what is any advice that you would give to a parent, to a student that is wanting to play any kind of sport? I know we kind of touched basis on it, but what is it that you would be inclined you said that yes we should encourage kids to play sports because mm-hmm. it'll keep discipline them out of trouble discipline yeah. but what what expectations would you set up for these kids because we know we know that barely probably half of players even make it the nfl make it the pro um That's we are 10 percent. yeah and and if the xfl works out we may get another league to kind of filter some of that college into which would be nice definitely um but what is that suggestion you would have to both parents and children and their expectations of what to essentially set up for and what their goal should be in the end should you complete if you are this top athlete should you go to the draft or should you graduate first and then kind of just touch basis on what your degree is, what you're looking to do after if you don't make it, and then that type of stuff. So uh, if you're a parent out there and you got a kid who wants to play a sport, I definitely encourage you to support their decision. Um, put those thoughts of injuries behind you. Um, hold your athlete accountable make sure if they get in at least they finish out the season and don't quit 
um, because raising a quitting mindset will not get them anywhere. Um, I definitely encourage you to let them try something out, though. Um, athletics is such a great thing. It, it's so great for kids socially, um, helping them mature, builds great friendships that you'll have for the rest of your life, no matter where you go. It's a great thing for athletes when they're young to get into it. If they want to start playing in high school, allowing them to get into it. Um, as a parent, it kind of gives you a new outlook on different things that your child can do. And if they want to push to be a college athlete through high school, hold them accountable to that, give them expectations and understand that a lot of the times they're going to get in and be on a team and coaches will sometimes push them past their comfort zone. That's a common thing because you're not always going to be in a comfort zone when you're in life. That's just, I mean, regardless of that. No, not to cut you off, but another thing that brings up about parents <laughs> and sports. I know your mom was one of them. Dad was. I kind of was it sometimes too, not being your parent, but mm -hmm. family. Is what would you tell parents? And I know in Chassa, we have terrible referees, but that's kind of, it seems okay, like that's I know exactly the, where you're going yeah. to. <laughs> so what would you suggest to parents in that? perspective of being kind to coaches because i know coaches get so much grief from oh absolutely parents. um hell it goes down to like water boys or mm -hmm. girls on coaches or on staff that gets it um but what would you tell a parent that is your big mouth loud mouth jackass parent and it can go both ways women and men um or whatnot what would be your Suggestion on those parents, like the parents' perspective on keeping their cool, it's just a sport. Yeah. Um, my biggest thing, I don't want to sound like a dickhead or anything like that, but unless you are a professional in that sport, or if you have complete experience or whatnot, in a, and you, like I said, if you're a professional, then you can say something. Otherwise, keep your mouth shut. Because not only are you embarrassing your own athlete in that situation, but you're making the life for coaches and referees harder when they're supposed to be focusing on the game and their, and their athletes. So that's a big pet peeve of mine is when you got <laughs> parents or fans in the stands who are just yelling at players and yelling at coaches and refs. If you are not a professional, if you do not know, know and understand every rule in that rule book, or if you don't understand what a coach and players and refs go through, don't raise your voice as if you have a two cents in that situation. Because um, that does embarrass your player. That makes them... I mean, I am thankful that my parents never did that. Um, that you heard. That I at least heard, yes. Because <laughs> they did do it. We all did it yes. on the sidelines. I mean, we all hate and, and bad I think, calls, but... Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, what... If it was a bad call, which... It, that game still goes back to when you lost your helmet, you had to sit out for one play. That was your sophomore year playoffs. Mm -hmm. There were so much bad calls in that game that, I mean, the NFL refs probably could have did a better job, and that's saying something. But it's one of those things where a lot of times with high school sports, at least here in Colorado, your sidelines or stadiums are literally like the players are like a foot or two in front of you from the stands. And one loud shout when it's kind of quiet or the ref's trying to make a call, everyone in that stadium hears it. 
And as a parent, you're making an ass out of yourself. And your athlete. And your athlete, exactly. And what does that, like, that's the thing. Like, you didn't have it, but we know there's parents on your team that were disgusting. I mean, I don't, I, I cannot believe some of the stuff I heard at Harrison football games. Um, I mean, there was at one point where I was even accused of being this, like, person that was going off. And I wasn't. Um, it's, it's it's kind of ridiculous, but I mean, it's one of those things is just have respect for those on the field and those doing what you're trying to watch. Um, a bad call always happens regardless of, I mean, if a call is against you, you're going to think it's a bad call. Um, yeah. but you shouldn't let as an athlete and as a co- and having coaches telling me this, don't leave the game in the ref's hands, play correctly. And, um, we're complete. We're told to completely tone out the stands. We do not listen to uh, fans. We don't listen to family. We will talk to you guys after the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as an athlete, that's another mindset to have: is focus on what's going on in front of you. Because sometimes you might go off and do a mistake. If you look up at your parents and see what they thought of it, yeah, it's going to be in your head too much. Have a next play mentality. And I think fans should also pick up that similar mentality. Like, yeah, sure, you just had a holding call, but for all you know, that guy may have actually been holding. Yeah, like that's and, it's something that happens. I mean, call it in in most Division two games in high school, you don't have replay system. We do. You, well, not just it's not like every touchdown is not reviewed. correct, but in that sense, you're not on. Let's let me rephrase that. So you're not on television. You're not on Fox, where you have fucking analysts reviewing the call and, oh, that wasn't correct, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no. Like, in Division Two, most of those teams are not fortunate enough to get on TV, national games. Some do. Until you get into the until playoffs you, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, until you get to those levels. But you don't have that, that pr- not pride, um, that... Uh, privilege. Privilege, there you go. Uh, that privilege of that, because in some cases, that's what helps. Uh, I mean, even in, like, baseball, like, having a replay system or having the game filmed sometimes does help those in some calls. But as a parent, yes, shut up. Like, we all <laughs> tend to do it. I get it, and I'm sure I'll be it. If you want to be the loudmouth parent that is making the calls or yelling at the referees, guess what? Go apply to be the coach then. Because they get enough. I, I don't know how many times Mello probably close to hitting a referee in that game, especially in other games where the calls are so bad that not any, not only him, but um, the athletic director for Harrison, Coach Hogan, was the same way. There are calls that are BS. We all know that. It happens. And it happens every single game, though. And like, it's as every an athlete, sport. I can say that. Yeah. yeah, it's every sport, too. But it's a respect thing, really. Respect those on the field. Um, respect the game itself. Understand like what these players are doing. They're having fun. At the end of the day, win or lose, yeah, it sucks to lose. If you have a losing mindset, it sucks. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... It's still, at the end of the day, you're doing something that you love. And if you're going to be a parent or a fan who's being an asshole, it just doesn't make it as fun anymore. So just have common courtesy for those around you. And kind of back to what we were saying before, like as a parent, support your players. And as a player, 
set new goals for yourself, build yourself. Don't worry about what the guy next to you is doing. Otherwise, you're not going to necessarily get to what you want. If you constantly worry about the guy that's next to you and pushing yourself to be just like them, you're not going to surpass them. You always want to focus on yourself and make sure you get in and be the best athlete you can be because then at that point you'll get somewhere. It's that determination to make yourself better is what's going to get you somewhere where you want to be. Um, holding yourself to those new expectations and being a leader, taking care of the classroom. I want to emphasize that one severely. Um, you always should be sitting in the front unless your teacher has some stupid like alphabetical seating chart. Always try your best to sit in the front of the class. Pay attention as much as possible. Um, that helps like build that relationship between you and your teachers as well. Um, just make sure you take care of the academics. Because I know so many athletes who I played in high school with who probably easily could have gone D1. And if they continued in college, probably could have gone to the NFL. Who will not play another snap after high school because academically they were not sound enough you can be the best damn athlete out there i mean it doesn't matter who you are you you could be the best you could be nfl prospect right out of high school if you're not taking care of the classroom you won't make it to the next level and that's the biggest thing and you got to make sure you take care of it there and hold your expectations high and set high goals for yourself um making sure you do that and for the parents, understand your food bill might increase a little bit. Uh, your student athlete is going to be eating a lot more because they're going to be more active. They're going to be in the weight room. They're going to be getting stronger and bigger, and it's just going to be a natural thing. I mean, as an athlete, they're always going to be building themselves to be better than who they were yesterday. That's the kind of mindset. You want to be better than who you were yesterday. You do not want to have... A day where you drop in what you're doing. You always want to progress. You don't want to degress. So set those expectations high. Support your student athletes. And go out and reach a dream that a lot of people otherwise would never be able to do. Yeah. And that and it, and it goes both ways. Like in sports and athletic, or academically. Because most people don't get the opportunity to go to these nice schools that you are at. Because... Mm -hmm. Maybe Division Two for sports, but it's probably one of the leading engineering schools yeah. out there. Yeah. And that kind of what I was touching base on um, with the wrap-up of the episode is with your degree, talk more about that. Um, what your expectations out of this degree are and if to a player that's expecting to go to the NFL, let's just put it into a scenario that you do not get into the NFL or XFL. What, mm -hmm. where do you go from day one of graduating college? Um, which to my knowledge, you may actually be the first or one of the two people in our family to get a bachelor or a master's degree, I think, or bachelor's. Well, I know as personally, I'm a first gen. Um, in okay. means of actual four-year universities. My mom went to PPCC, didn't make it through. She actually dropped out after her first semester. Dad got a associate's at, of um, like health and science through his massage school that he went to. Um, for me, I am at the STEM school, SD Mines. 
um, studying civil engineering. Um, out of all of the different engineering, there's biomechanical, um, there's normal mechanical, chemical, uh, nuclear engineering, mining engineering. We even have paleontology. My dad's dream was to say he, he had a son who's in the NFL who's also a dinosaur hunter. I found it to be the funniest damn thing. But I'm doing civil engineering with an emphasis in construction management. And um, even, it, like you said, if we made the uh, concept that I don't go to the NFL and whatnot, my school, the reason it's so prestigious is because it's got a 97% uh, job placement rate on the day of graduation. Oftentimes, students are leaving that school with full-time jobs in their career field, making the average on the school is $65,500 a year starting salary right out of, this, right out of uh, school. Um, for me, depending on where I go, for, I'll use the example of being a project construction manager in Denver, Colorado, here in the U.S., a construction manager can make anywhere between $117,000 and $150,000 a year. Um, probably more commonly will be around seventy to one hundred and five thousand, which is still very that, that's good. That's massive. That's I still mean, very good compared to if you went to a community college and got an associate's degree or bachelor's, because a lot of community colleges are now offering bachelor's degrees. Um, that's the that's one of the biggest things is you will essentially have a starting job that is making more than your average person in this entire country makes. Yeah, I mean some households don't even make that as a family. couple a family exactly. So your opportunity is so massive right now that no one, I, at least in my knowledge, no one in our entire family, going back to your mom's side or our side of the family has had that type of opportunity mm -hmm. and you got it all from sports. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't think honestly, um, like I said, I was a BC student in high school and I'm probably, I would say ABC in college. I have a better GPA now than I did in high school. Um, it's probably, I'd say because I'm actually doing something I'm interested in. Um, but I don't think I would have gotten where I am now unless I had sports, um, had football and whatnot. I saw football as my ticket to get into college because I never saw myself as necessarily smart enough. Um, but academically, I still put in 100% effort all the time. I was never lazy with that kind of stuff. Um, I pushed myself to be the best I can. I still do today. Um, construction management is something that I've wanted to do for a long time in means of working with uh, technical computer software, like um, Autodesk and like AutoCAD, SolidWorks and stuff. Um, my first semester of college, my final project learning uh, this computer software was building a 2,800 square foot house yeah. on blueprints. Like straight off the bat, I'm getting into stuff that I want to do in my life. And to think that the average salary is $110,000 a year for a construction manager, that's another incentive. Like, if I don't go pro, I still know I'm going to be able to support my future family with just the job I have. And I push myself every day to set new goals academically and athletically to make sure I live the best life I can possibly have. And this all ties around like sports, man. Like, you get in and you set these goals for yourself. They open up such a wide variety for your life and what you to do. And it helps you mature and 
become a better person overall, just over time and get it in and get it done. It's a very good thing to reach for. And that's why I highly encourage you to let your kids or like have you get into sports because it'll open up a different path that you never thought possible until you see it. Yeah. And that, and that's exactly, exactly the point of that is the more that you focus on maybe being an athlete and getting your good grades and getting into these colleges that you, you would never in your life be able to get into. No offense to people out there, but it's true. (laughs) It's true. Like we all come from different backgrounds. Some kids get into these high end schools because they are rich. Unfortunately, it's just how it works. Society. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you, you grow up in the neighborhoods that we have, it, it that does not happen it just does not happen and in most cases if you are not a 4.0 gpa and doing all this extracurriculum stuff on the side and not in sports you're not going to have that opportunities so i think that is one of the biggest factors that we can essentially look forward to as parents is that our children will have better expectations. They'll maybe be more respectful to you as a parent. Definitely. Um, and that's something that is taught in sports. So if you are on the table about putting your kids into sports, even at a young age, don't. Let them. Now, I know some parents don't want their kids to play certain sports. Fine. But let your kids have an option. Let them do what they want to do. Even if, it, if, it, if you have a girl... She wants to play football. Get her in football. Absolutely. It can happen. There's so many sports out there or high schools that will allow s- females to play. We we are in a different generation and time where that is something that happens. Now, have we seen it on a college level? Not much. Actually, um, there's the very first woman who um, – her name is Tony Harris – um, she just signed a scholarship to play football, not as a kicker, but actually a position player, um, on a, uh, football team and is getting a scholarship and getting her education paid for. So that proves you, like, just because, I mean, it's hard for a woman to get through football. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I've, I've had several women on teams, like in high school, I think probably once a year, all four years, we had a girl try out. And it's hard for them to get through because I'm not being sexist, but physically women are not as big and as strong as men. Now, there are exceptions. There are some women yes. out there who are extremely strong and yeah. extremely fast. And they'll and make very half tough. the guys look like a joke. Exactly. And there's women out there who can do this stuff. And I really do think that they should definitely give it a go. Yep. Like, if you can get in there and do that, by all means, that would be freaking awesome. Because I will say, I would say probably in the next five to ten years, we're going to see a, at least a kicker in the NFL that is a woman. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if if rules keep going the way they are, they could be a quarterback too. Mm-hmm. Because we are putting pressure on the amount of hits that a quarterback can take or how you hit them, essentially. So... That can be something else, and that is something that if they don't want to play soccer, they don't want to play. Now, there are some sports out there like baseball. I haven't really heard of a female being in MLB or college baseball yet. I mean, they have college baseball teams for women, um, but in high school, it's really rare, too. You usually play softball or you play baseball. That's how it at least was when I went. 
Um, but yeah, if, if you're on the fence, do it. Let your kid play. And don't be the jackass parent that is at your peewee football team or baseball or soccer <laughs> screaming at parents and fighting. I, I cannot empathize on how disgusting you look as a human being when you are talking shit to a coach of a five-year-old peewee team. And I can vouch for that because my freshman year at my school, which is awesome, we get so many different community service things. Um, we went in and all the freshmen every year have to be coaches for a youth NFL flag football team oh. uh, sponsored by the Play 60 NFL deal that is all around America. And all the freshman recruits on the team are split up on, I think it's 12 different teams um, between first and fifth grade, different leagues, all these different uh, freshmen are split up as coaches. And now players get to experience both, not only the player aspect of it, but the stresses of being a coach. One of my players, um, my freshman year, actually got injured. He um, got tripped up and accidentally bumped his head with another kid's head, and they were both crying. One of the families came over. They understood. They were perfectly fine. But one of the parents, holy cow, could I... I don't understand how coaches do this day to day. Like, no. that parent tried to chew me a new one. I told him, like, look, go sit down. Your kid is having fun. Yeah, he bumped his head. He's okay. We have concussion protocol. We have physical trainers here to make sure your kid is all right. You don't have to be chewing me a new asshole because I was the one who was just coaching him up. No. These kids want to play football. They're young. They have so much energy and excitement to do this sport. But their parents, I feel like, are bringing them down at the same time. So please don't be that parent. Just let your kid play. If something happens, talk to them after the damn game. Talk to the coach after the game. Don't embarrass your your athlete like that. Yeah, because... it's, it's a shame. It, it's, a, it's a shame to see. And, I mean, I saw it again during your high school tenured of how many players or parents, sorry, parents were just disgusting. And it, it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment to everyone. And just don't do it. Like, if you're going to do it, go go mouth off somewhere else. And plus, to these parents that are sitting there judging other people for, oh, you got my kid hurt, blah, blah, blah. You're probably a bad parent anyways. Let's just be real. Like, you're probably, your kids probably got hurt under your care many a times and no one judged you for it. So, don't judge these coaches and stuff that know what they're doing. They get into these positions because they have heart and passion for children. Coach Mello is a prime example of that. Like, that man is awesome. Yes. No matter what he does, if he doesn't continue to coach Harrison High School football, shout out to him. Everyone, regardless if he coaches or not, so many people look up to him because he is such a great guy who's going to help you grow up. Like he ha he can show students this discipline. He was a PE coach. And people who have never even played a damn sport in their life looks up to him like a father figure because he cares that much. Yep. So, I mean, on and off the field, coaches are great people and will help your your child grow up. And yes. it's a great thing. Yes. So, in ending this podcast, um, I want to say thank you to Tyler. Um, good luck in your future. You have a bright future ahead of you, yes, whether sir. it be in football, the NFL, XFL, wherever CFL, cfl for all we know mm -hmm. um you have a bright future and 
And then hopefully good luck to the South Dakota Mines next year. I know the team hasn't done as well the last few years, but, yeah. you know. New lookups with you, these new you, coaches. Exactly. And you came in to Harrison to one of probably the worst football. No offense, Coach Mello. Uh, but <laughs> one of the worst football teams in Harrison's history. And that's talking because when I went to high school, they were terrible as well. To have an, a to have legacy, a legacy that you, as a coach, Mello, left on Harrison. If you do leave or stay, I've never seen a program that was more exciting of the four years that I I got to see Tyler play. That it was hard mouth football that made us enjoy going to the games every week, whether it was. 200 miles away or at home like we appreciate those coaches out there that do what they've got to do mm-hmm. to make sure their kids are protected and in all honesty most of those those coaches are your kids parents because you see them for two three hours a night for dinner if that with these so let's take a, a moment to thank the coaches the as much as we disagree with their calls, the referees, the staff of the schools that support this system, and the communities that support these systems. Because without all you, there would be no high school sports. We wouldn't have this demographic that essentially is outstanding model citizens that care for one another and care for their their peers on these teams. So... Like I said, good luck, Tyler, in everything, and hopefully we'll have you back for a future podcast of yeah, what it may be. <laughs> you have a great one, All everyone. Right. Uh, we'll be back next week. Again, today is Christmas, so we appreciate uh, you joining us on maybe your new device that you got for Christmas. Um, but uh, reminder, next week, December 31st, starts the Debt Attic Podcast. I will be airing it on December 31st, and then a bonus episode airing on uh, the 1st of January as well. And then um, Fahrenheit 186 podcast will resume next week um, on the 1st of January to start out the new year. So I appreciate all you listeners out there. Like I commented last week, we are getting worldwide listeners. This is amazing. And the viewership continues to go up week after week. So thank you to everyone that is listening and supporting. Um, we'll have more Uh, To come, you have a great one.